Hello and welcome to this episode of the AF Mentors podcast. I have Jules and James with me. It's a JJ sandwich, but no Maureen because she's completely lost her voice. I did wonder wonder if she was going to make it today because she did not sound good yesterday. What a shame. Yeah. How are you, James? I'm I'm better than I was yesterday. What was wrong wrong with you? I haven't been very well. Like... Oh, I thought you meant when I when we had an argument. No, no. I, the thing is, I kind of enjoy those. Yeah, me too. Me too. And like, to like that, that we always come to kind of the same conclusion, just from like slightly different standpoints. But it's funny, yeah. like whenever we're on masterminds for people listening who aren't on FM, everyone will be like, "Mum and Dad are fighting again," and I'm like, "Well, I don't really agree with that." And James is like, "Well, what about seeing it from this perspective?" And I'm like, mm, "That's actually quite a good point, but I still don't agree with it." Yeah. I think, like you say, fundamentally, we we arrive at exactly the same conclusion. And we're like, I just, I mean, I take about 25 minutes longer than you take to say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jules, how are you? I am wonderful freezing, but wonderful. What's the temperature with you, Jules? Um, I think it's about minus 726. Oh, right. <laughs> about that. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> to be fair, it's not actually that cold. It's just super, super icy, which... Mm-hmm. I am actually like grateful for. I would take that over rain and snow any day. So as much as it's cold, I'm all right with it. I would much rather that than 10 degrees in rain. So yeah. I'm surprised you said over snow though, because snow's amazing. Like, do you not like snow? No, there's yet another thing we're going to disagree on this week, James, between oh, the bounties oh. and the snow. Like <laughs> what's wrong like, with snow? Bounties. It just I think it's just it's fine like if you were to stay in like when I went to Finland, it was lovely. Because life went on as normal and the snow was nice. But in Scotland, it snows for three minutes and then it's just muddy slush for the next week. Yeah, I can see why that would be a bit shit. I'm not into muddy slush. <laughs> Fair. Um, it's 33 degrees at the moment here. Oh, wow. Like, is it a nice 33 degrees or is it like too hot? No, do you know what? I mean, it's meant to get to 36 today, which I think will be too hot. But since I've been here, it's been like 28 to 30 every day. And I've never felt uncomfortably hot. I think the the temperature, or I don't think the humidity is very high. And it's always windy in Cape Town, always. Which means there's like always like a bit of a breeze or or like an actual hurricane. So, yeah, it's good. I love that. Just a bit of a breeze or a hurricane. Oh, no, sometimes it is. But- like uh, unbelievable i've never and like dundee's windy right but i've i've never experienced anything like it yeah sounds wild it's wild what do they call it (laughs) the cape doctor i don't know why now i can't remember why anyway um one thing i was going to say here is we were talking before i came on i was like oh maybe this is an interesting discussion for the podcast i don't really know where this is going to go it's just an observation i've made so everyone that I've met here, most people are like startup founders, mostly in the tech space, right? But they've, they've all started like very different businesses or they run numerous different businesses and they're all in very different areas. Like as an example, one guy runs a scheduling app for social media, but also has a dating app and also runs some software that like helps, I think, deliver like onboarding type information to new people coming into new companies or like acquisitions from bigger companies that take on smaller companies, that kind of thing. So they're all very different, right? And what's been interesting is I'm like, 
he's an entrepreneur first and foremost it almost doesn't matter what sector he's in like he doesn't really care like his dating app is for like cougar cougar dating right like he's no interest in it he's very happily married like not like a passion project in the slightest and like same with the other ones it's like he's not I wouldn't say he's mega passionate about the thing it's more the business and what the business could do and then it's been so interesting because everyone we work with is the, the exact opposite they're very passionate about what they do and they're making a business of it and it's been really like it just a, it's a different narrative and I think there's certain things that like both camps can take from each other it's much easier to outsource obviously if it's not your passion right like I think most coaches are really bad at outsourcing and when you get to the point that you need to to scale it becomes really hard and like I've been asked some really pushy questions with with some people like basically to like in a nice way to push me but I'll be like oh yeah so I still do some one-to-ones and they're like why it makes absolutely no sense and um, and then my my like pushback is it's different because I love it but then you you've got to question yourself you need to know yourself well enough to know if you're actually just kidding yourself you know oh but I love coaching so I still do 30 one-to-ones a week like that's like that would be ridiculous right but if you're like I love coaching so I know it doesn't make financial or business sense to still have 10 one-to-one clients but I like doing it I like staying in the loop actually for me like it gives me a ton of um content I think I get most of my content from my one-to-one check-ins but like from a business perspective is that my like their their kind of thing is like a founder should always be doing like the highest leverage thing you know like that is not the highest leverage thing I could be doing with a couple of hours, like doing one-to-one check-ins. No way, right? There's way better things that I technically could be doing. But if you're like, but I still enjoy it. Like before COVID, I was still doing in-person PT. Now, if you looked at like your hourly rate, it was ridiculous. Like it was stupid. I was losing money doing that because of what I could be spending that time on elsewhere. But I enjoy it. And then you watch like, actually, if that's something that you enjoy then it doesn't really matter if you're making money from it or not. I guess it depends what you want out of life as well, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, are you chasing a life that you enjoy or are you chasing, ch- and does that look like financial security is your number one priority or does it look like something else for you? But it, for most, like for most people at that, that stage, yeah. or to be quite transparent at my stage, like financial security was like achieved quite a long time ago is it's not about that but what they will say so I kind of had this discussion last night and I was like it's an interesting view seeing this and they're like it's more that the business is a vehicle for the life that you want to live now this again depends on like if you're like actually just really excited about what this business could do for people and it's like more of a service thing or if you're like I want to run a big enough business that I can live the life that I want with minimal time spent on that business so that it runs very effectively and I, I will say that I think it is harder to run an efficient and effective business if you're too emotionally attached to it, which is harder when it starts as your passion project. Yeah. Jules, you will know this from running your gym, right? Yeah, and you know, this was the thing when I first took on the studio and it was super busy. I had like five coaches and I took that on thinking I can help more people, which I could because there was hundreds of members in it. But... I then became a studio manager. And I'm like, I didn't want to be a studio manager. I didn't want to be doing rotas and timetables and reporting, which is where I was going. And I had less and less time for coaching because I was doing all the studio manager stuff. And that's one of the reasons I let it go because I thought that 
isn't my why for this business. And if your why for the business is to make money, grow the business, make the business more efficient, then that's what keeps you connected to it. If your why is coaching and working with people one-to-one, that's what keeps you connected to it. And I think although they're very different things, the way they look at it and the way we look at it, everybody's coming back to their why for starting it. So if you stay connected to why you're doing this, that's what keeps you involved. And that's where I think in our industry, if people come away from coaching more and more and more, they're like, um, this isn't why I get into this. But I think you can have both in our industry. You've just got to be smart with it. Yeah, that's exactly why I left. That's exactly why I left um, working at commercial gyms as a manager. Because I was I was doing that all the time. And I was like, I didn't get into it for this. Pulled away from it for exactly the same reason. I was like, okay, I, the, the line that I always use is I came into the industry to fix people, not the aircon. Yeah. But I think sometimes it's so easy to get sidetracked by something or to convince yourself that that's the right thing. And and that's why, like, partly why, one, journaling, two, questioning yourself, or three, like, having someone, like, a mentor to ask those probing questions of, like, okay, well, why are you doing that? Okay, well, if you just really enjoy it, fine. But if not, it's so easy, and this is more broad for, like, the whole of life, like, it's so easy to just follow a path that you have no interest in, and then you, you genuinely will wake up one day and be like, I've just spent the last four years being a fucking gym manager. Of course I'm, like not happy in my life like it's not what I want to be doing it's not why I started this and and then you get sucked in it's like oh but now I've got this mortgage that requires this amount of payment and I need like a salary coming in for this this and this and it's like they're all stupid like the end of the day they are all stupid ties that you like you need to question like whether that is actually how you want to spend your life I think for coaches though what holds them back is they're a confident coach. It's part of their identity that they're a coach. They're happy there. So many coaches we work with find it scary and outside their comfort zone to see themselves as a business owner and to act like a business owner. So a lot of times people are like, no, I'm totally happy doing all of these one-to-ones because actually saying that, right, I'm going to take half my one-to-ones away. I'm going to work on the business rather than in it is a bit of a scary place for people to be because they're like, no, I'm I'm not a business owner. I just I just do some coaching. I'm just self-employed and people don't want to push themselves into that business owner mindset. There's a big difference between being a business owner and and being self-employed. And I think Uh people start to step over that. That's when growth actually happens. And you have to get it yourself of like, you're not the best coach in the world. You're not the only person that can help these people, but you can facilitate that right like if I had a massive ego like every single person on AFM has to work with me because I'm the best business mentor it's not true like people get just as good if not better results with you guys when especially if they're the right fit for what you guys do and, and what they need so yeah I think that that's essential for growth um we will get on to some questions now let me just find some um okay hi guys I'm a newbie to AFM excited to get going but nervous and also trying not to get myself overwhelmed have you any tips for starting this journey this is very broad um what I will say about this person is they've just done their first post kind of announcing that they're going to be coaching and it has freaking blown up like she only posted it a couple of hours ago 
and it's already got like almost 300 likes and 40 comments on it from like her mates being like this is amazing but she doesn't have a big following she's got like I think 1500 ish followers and I was like you need to say this is what you do now and it's just yeah so I mean I think she's already taken the action and she's already doing the right stuff on the journey um don't overthink it ask ask questions you know the same stuff you would say to a client like don't sit there worried and overthinking like she overthought that post loads but whatsapps me about it and I was like right this is perfect now just post it and wow like nailed it that's insane I mean I I think I'd probably add to that and say be ready to make mistakes and and be okay with it because you are gonna you're gonna mess up we've all messed up yeah it's part of the process I think don't think about what everyone else is doing. It's similar to you would with clients. If a client comes into the gym, they wouldn't be like, should I go swimming? Should I do CrossFit? Should I do high rocks? You do what you're doing for your results on your plan. Coaches all do things massively differently. Everybody's got a different system. So find the system that works for you. Stick with that for a while. Test it out. Make mistakes. Fail forward. But if somebody does something different, don't assume that they're correcting you wrong just because they're doing something different. Yeah, cannot emphasize this enough. This came up on the mastermind a bit yesterday, because Jules, you you brought it up, and it's such a good point that it you can look around way too much. And it, a great example, like comparing it to coaching, you might look around and be like, oh, but but Emma does shorter workouts, so should I be doing that? Or like James is lifting really heavy, then should I be lifting really heavy? And it's like, well, what do you want? And this the same with business. You might be like broadly business growth no, no 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 like who are you who do you coach how do you serve them how do you want to run your business do you also have a family are you like there's always extra constraints as well like this person is living in Australia but might be moving to Perth and then also might be moving back like this side of the world and also has a partner and they work here and she's got another job at the moment like there's always like a lot of things that would be why one person would do something and another person would do something different and even on like a like an example for like lead gen, if you're just looking at what like the bigger accounts do and copying them, you will never get results. Never. The reason that like, I don't know, James Smith just has like a calorie calculator on his website and that generates results is because the of the sheer volume of people that are going to fill that out, some of them will reply to the email, right? If you've got like, you'd be lucky to get four replies from something that you put on a lead gen don't fucking dare send them down an email marketing funnel reach out to them personally yourself on the platform that they want to talk to you on that's why he doesn't just dm everyone because he can't because it's like tens of thousands of people it's impossible to do right you can because you you've got a smaller following and you can be more engaged with them and you can nurture them it's actually it's not necessarily a negative you just need a different approach for it i think we were having this chat on the whatsapp group sorry yours gone I think that's a good point about the small following. People think a small following is a bad thing. It's a brilliant thing because people can get much more of your attention and your personal attention as a coach that you're not in a huge group. It's a hugely great thing. I mean, I've been having a chat for the last 24 hours on my coaching WhatsApp group as to whether we think we could take on 1,287 flamingos in a fight. Now, if I... (laughs) So I use Everfit. Jules, you'll oh, know okay. where yeah. this is coming from. Like, I got give, gifted 1,287 flamingos and I posted it on our, our coaching WhatsApp group. And I was like, wait. And then someone was like, the question is, do you think you could take them in a fight? 
and this started this whole feed. Well, mm, there was a there was a whole like, are they bottlenecked? Like, are they coming like small groups at a time, or are they just in a field surrounding you? And like, are they aggressive, or or could you catch them by surprise? Like, are they well? This was in a fight here. That was one of the questions. One of the questions was, are, are are they like sedentary, or are they are they gunning for you? And I think the the actual answer was they were they're gunning for you. But yeah, you, you're never gonna no. But go low. They've got long spindly legs. Like you get those and yeah, but you don't know that those aren't quite strong long spin, spindly legs. I mean, I'm not gonna say what I was thinking there. <laughs> It's like history of animal work. I know how strong certain leg types are. Okay, fine. Better question. Do you think Beyonce has eaten a baked potato? No. American oh. baked potatoes the way we are. Well, it depends. They have it like a side, the way we would have like chips or onion rings. They would have a baked yeah, but what potato. If she's been on, what if she's been on tour and been like, like, what's that? Do you mean like a jacket potato and tuna kind of idea? Yeah. I'm always saying no. No. I wonder if we'll ever know. I saw a meme saying it today and I just thought, that is something I'd really like to know. You know, like a traditional, like either, yeah, you could have tuna in it, but like, or like baked beans, bit of cheese on top. She just sat down to have that. Maybe when she's not on her lemon water diet. Maybe she does a box we can ask. Do you know why we won't know that? Because she's got too big a following and we don't have a relationship with her. But if she had a smaller following, do you know who we might find that out about? Who's quite a small scale singer? There's several of them. Amy McDonald, only because she follows me on Instagram. We might be able to find that out about her. We might know if I I would imagine that because she's Glaswegian, she probably has had a jacket taken. I bet if you messaged her, she'd reply. Yeah, no, I have. Not fair. I mean, go ahead. Let's find out. Ask, ask her for us at some point. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was like, is it, right, do you know one quite weird thing that they do here is that they're like, or not, maybe not always, but quite often they'll like be like, do you want a, a side of a roll with some chicken livers? Like, no, I don't. That seems to be like a pretty standard, like even sometimes if I order something on Uber Eats, it's like, wanna just add on a roll with some chicken livers? And I'm like, no. Is that, is that their version of our chips? Because that's what you get at the bottom of ours. Like, do you wanna add some chips to that? Yeah. Chicken livers, anyone? Yeah, no, I've never, I never actually had them. Is anyone else? They do them at Nando's, don't they? Do they? I think they did for a while, actually. And then I think probably nobody ate them, so they took them off. Yeah, I can't imagine what that would taste like. Nando's is South African, you know. Did not know this. Yeah, people think it's Portuguese, but it's not. And these are the kind of things that you'd find out from people with small followings. Yeah. (laughs) I think that was the point we were going for there, wasn't it? Uh, I can't remember, but... um... If anyone does have a direct content with content contact with Beyonce, I would like to know. Do you think Taylor Swift has? She seems like somebody. I feel like more likely. Mm. Yeah. 
imagine do you know what I was watching a video of hers today and I was like wow she's in phenomenal shape but I think now there's this insane pressure for her not to be too thin but not to be too fat like I actually think that's potentially like worse than just like don't be fat which used to be the message but now it's like no you need to be like perfectly in between from every angle so that we can never see any cellulite or any fat but also so that you don't look too skinny like it's an yeah there is that that kind of perspective has shifted massively like from like oh well it's okay because they're thin to like oh but they don't want to be too thin now that's not okay either i can't imagine that kind of pressure Mm. there's certain people that address it though and they're like, just shut up, leave me alone. And like, don't lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I Jonah think, Hill did that, didn't he? You know he was like, it's so funny when you get like, I don't know, someone, and I think Taylor Swift would probably do this, who someone will ask them, like, oh, like, how do you, I don't know, stay in shape or do you have a partner at the moment? And they're just like, why are you asking me that? <laughs> you know, like, are you okay? Like, you're meant to be asking me about my tour, not, like, do I have a partner? Like, that's my personal life. Why, why are you asking me it? And then it just makes them seem so, like, look so stupid. You see it when, with um, female athletes, don't you? Mm. Like, they'll come off the court and be like, oh, you know, who's done your hair today? And they're like, what? Yeah. But you would Have you ever like seen that. the video of Andy Murray? And it's somebody says to him at a press conference, Oh, you're the most successful tennis player. And he's like, <clears throat> male tennis player. And the journalist's like, what? And he went, you mean I'm the most successful male player? Because it's not, I'm not the most successful player, just the most successful male. And the journalist's like, oh, um, yeah. Just because Serena Williams is oh, most I've, I've seen, um, I've seen that clip. And you explaining it just gave me shivers again. Like, it's so powerful. I think that's what, like... I mean, it's one thing like women standing up for themselves, but it's never being like, what are you talking about? No, I'm not. And the fact that he didn't click straight away. He was like, what do you mean you're not? Like, you are you are now. It's like, no, because there's actually female tennis players. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, are you ready for the next question? Go for it. Um, love to know more about the process and considerations to make when considering taking on additional coaches. Are they self-employed? What is the payment structure per client, per interaction, or is it an hourly rate? So one thing I want to say about this person. Yeah, I'm sure she won't mind if I say her name. Anyway, so this is from Nikki. And I just want to say, like, now and again, I like to pull this out because there's still, no matter how many times you say it, this underlying belief that you need a big following to have a big business. Now, Nikki is completely full looking to take on another coach. She has 560 followers. She doesn't have a lot following, but they're engaged. Like that in itself, I'm just like, incredible. Anyway, so considerations. I, I did a reel on this the other day. And I think one of the most important considerations that nobody thinks about is, do you want to work with this person? Like it almost like a lot of the things you can teach, right? You can teach your method of coaching. It's great if, you know, that you want them to be aligned with you and your values and things. But every single person I work with, I've headhunted. Like, you know like I didn't just like I thought about asking James to come on AFM and Jules to come on AFM months before I even broached it with them because I kind of watched from afar and I was like mm, okay well, like would this person be a good fit 
And actually I was working with them one-to-one -one for months and months beforehand, right? I know you, I like you, I rate you. Now I really want you to work for me or like with me. I didn't even really see it as for me, but it's like, it's a team thing. And I know that I'll enjoy working with you. That's why I never really do like apply here for a coaching job. Like, and and I don't know why I said it in that, in that way, because it can work really well and you can get people that you're like, oh, they're actually the perfect fit. But just from my perspective, I really like to know people first. Same with Kimberly. She was my one-to-one -one client for years. And then I was like, oh, you're doing VA work. Hell yeah, I want you. And and then she knows my business already. Same with like the first coaches I took on. Andy, I've known for like 12 years now. Shona and Catherine used to be one-to-ones before they came and worked for me. Maureen, again, worked with her for ages before I was then like, this, I would love it if you would come and work for me. Um, same with Ruth. Claire I lived with for three years so not three years two years um so you know she passed the vibe check I think that's really underrated it's not just like have you got this qualification and this much experience and whatever and you tick these boxes it's like do you want to work with this person because you, you're gonna have to and you're gonna have to have a good working relationship with them and you also want like them to bring out the best in you right like I get a lot from Jules and I get a lot from James and it's very different and like actually as much as James and I joke about like having um like little arguments on the or like discussions on the mastermind like it's good it creates discussion it shows that there's two sides to things and I want someone that's going to challenge me and not just be like oh yeah well, we literally just nod along to whatever Emma said it's like you guys will be like oh actually this really worked for me not that or I, I wouldn't actually say it that way or I don't agree with that this is another way of thinking about it and fundamentally, we all have the same values, and that's what's important, but we might have different approaches to certain things, and, and that's what you want. You want an additive thing. So it's like one plus one equals four, not one plus one equals two, or often the case, honestly, and this is what you have to be really careful of with not so much taking on coaches, but like collaborations, is sometimes one plus one can equal like 0 0.5, because you start to like diffuse responsibility and then it's like, well, who was going to do that? Oh, I forgot to do that. Or, you know, and actually partnerships can be really hard in that respect. Um, but that's one thing on a kind of like more philosophical level, less on a practical side. Um, Jules, what do you look for? I think you need someone, and this requires you to have no ego, but you need people that are good at the things you're not good at, because then it builds a much more well-rounded service so if you realize that you're not good at x y and z finding somebody else that is good at that that can be strengths where you've got weaknesses is a huge plus and somebody that's going to make your life easier so not necessarily bringing in a coach that you've got to spend a lot of time motivating them and geeing them up and following up with things and like have you done this have you done that somebody that's going to make your life easier not make your life more difficult Anything to add, James? I mean, the only experience I've really got from this was when I was working, like when I was managing gyms and I've only ever taken on teams that have people that have worked for me rather than people that have worked with me. But one of the things that was really important to me when I was chatting with people before they came on board was, do they understand what I'm trying to do? Like, could I, having that conversation with them, could I understand or could they talk back to me and explain my ethos for, for what I wanted to see out of that gym? That was really important for me at the time because I was working in a really low performing gym 
that had just arrived and it was an absolute nightmare. Um, and so that was essential, taking anyone on. Yeah, you need something that shares your vision so that everyone's rowing the boat in the same direction and there's not somebody poking holes in it. <laughs> I can hold it. Um, or someone just slacking, you know. That was the one thing I found a little bit hard coming from an individual sport where I did 400 hurdles to rowing was I remember specifically one race, like I turned around and like the girl behind me was barely out of breath and I was like, absolutely, like, you know, so lactic building rowing. That was like on the verge of like being sick. And she was just like, like as if she'd just been for a nice little row. And I'm like, I literally just pulled you down this full course. But anyway, yeah, you want everyone rowing, everyone pushing up their hardest. Um, okay, in terms of the practicalities, are they self-employed? Most people will do that of like, as an example, let's just say Ruth, because it's probably the most basic example. She works for me. I, it does get more confusing when you hit that threshold. It, well, it's not really confusing. It's just less lucrative, but essentially the client pays ESG fitness and I pay Ruth. Now you can decide what percentage split that might be. Um, I bite the VAT on all of that because as a business owner, I just think that's the way it should be. Like it's your business. Like Tesco aren't like, oh, we're having to pay VAT. We'll just take that off our the pay that we're giving our like staff like it's not how it works right you get the benefits of the profit but also it's your issue if you're hitting that right um although I do think that sometimes making that transparent with your coaches not only so they can learn about business but also so they're not like an element of resentment of like but you they're paying you x like let's say someone paid 200 pounds and I paid Ruth 50 percent of that I I pay that on 200 pounds so that's 40 pounds gone already plus then you've got to think the marketing costs the website the app the the va operations etc it's not like i'm making 100 pounds off it then i pay corporation tax on it then you know so actually you're looking at if you're lucky 30 to 40 quid um so yeah i would consider all of that in the way that you you structure things as well because i've seen coaches kind of be almost like too generous at the start and then be like oh shit I didn't really factor in the fact that I'm gonna have to pay that on all this money um or that and then potentially or that or not but definitely corporation tax and all your expenses etc etc um yeah so consider that and then the payment structure again like it can be per client I do it in slightly different ways so for one-to-ones it's per client I'm like this is now your client, you coach them. I try, you know, I only take people on I completely trust as a coach. I'm not looking over your shoulder or anything, right? For commit to six, I pay them per check-in because I'm far more involved in the coaching structure of it. So they get paid for the work that they do for the check-ins that they do. So if someone doesn't check in, they don't get paid for it. Um, but you, some people do it per client. It's kind of completely up to you. I kind of like the per check-in because it does give an incentive on coaches to make their clients check in as well. It's like, well, the more check-ins you do, because otherwise it's like almost the incentive slipped the other way. If I'm like, oh, you'll get this much money per client. And if they don't check in, then I'm still paying you the same amount. That's not as incentivizing. Um, and then, I mean, re-hourly rate, I prefer not to do that. because I think hourly rates are stupid. Like one, they're very hard to accurately track. 
And then two, it's it's again, to me, it's disincentivizing. Right. So if you take a whole hour for three check-ins, then you're going to make more money than actually you could have sat down and concentrated and probably done six in that time. And 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 then like you'd be making less money doing more. So I'm more like, this is the work that needs done. This is what I'm going to pay you for it. You can do it whenever you want, wherever you want, as long as the quality is high. I don't care if it takes you 30 minutes or you've managed to make it more streamlined, as long as you're giving the same coaching benefit and you've made it 15 minutes. Same with when I work with Kimberly. I'm like, if you found a quicker way to do it, why should you be penalized for that? You know, like this is the work that needs done. I'm going to pay you for the work that needs done. If you can be more efficient, great. That means you've got more time off. Huh? Like, I, I think like the way that we structure work, it's so stupid. Like I even remember, and I barely have ever really had any long-term jobs, but even then it's like, you're kind of twiddling your thumbs waiting for five o'clock to leave. When it's like, why, why can't, if, if everything's done and you're just waiting at, on Friday at like 4 p.m. being like, we all just have to sit here until five. So stupid. And there's almost nothing that I hate more than wasted time. I'm like, that's the one thing you can never get back. And you're literally just sat there doing nothing. Stupid. Um, any other ways that people have seen that work well? I would add to that, just knowing Nikki's business, that if somebody's going to do like in-person classes, I would pay that hourly. Yeah. Like if you're doing like group fitness, yeah, because that is a set period of time. You can't yeah, be more exactly in this hour-long Pilates class. I've managed to streamline it down. We're <laughs> just gonna go really fast. Yeah, <laughs> fifteen minutes. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Right, moving on. Go, go on. Let's go. Um, I would also say as well what I think is really important is have a contract at the start, and it it saves any bother later on, and it's actually protects both sides. So here's what I'm going to provide you as a business. And here's what I expect of you as a contractor in my business. And it's all things like coming back to values. This is our business values. I expect you to act in line with our business values. And it just then, if anything does happen later, because when people are on board and everything's all rosy and sunny and nice, but things will crop up in everyday life. So it's helpful to have that contract there that you can refer back to and be like, listen, it says this in our contract, just a wee reminder and it makes those difficult conversations way easier down the line. Could not agree more. I, um, I have contracts with all my coaches now. I also have really good relationships with them all. So I would never, I'm never going to take anyone to court for anything realistically. Right. And I'm never really, because of the pay structure and things like I'm never really going to be in a position that is ever going to be more than like how I value my relationship with that person anyway, that either they owed me or I owed them or something. But I think what's really useful about the contract is to go back to it, especially when things, because things inevitably slip, right, on both sides. And then you're like, oh, actually, it is in your contract. You should be, I don't know, posting in the group or you should be doing at least two posts on social media. And it, and like Jill says, it helps both sides because then it's not you nagging someone. It's just you reminding them what's in there. And they also know their expectations which is so important because I think that's the hardest thing. A lot of the time, especially like most people will be buzzing to work for you, right? So if you're like, this is what I expect, it's way easier for them to keep you happy than them kind of questioning like, should I be doing more or am I doing enough or are they happy with this? Or could, like, what should I be posting or when should I be, or do they want me to do a collab post or do they want me to? Yeah, so I think making that stuff clear 
and then also be, like I would I always kind of frame it as like look this is this is so we both have an agreement more than a contract um yeah and I think that is really important and works really well it also helps you get out of your head exactly what you would want them to do yeah yeah I think how you frame that as well like like you just said there an agreement rather than a contract like it's not about it's not about oh I'm holding you to this standard otherwise you'll be in trouble it's this is something that we're undertaking together and we both want to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, last question for today, but this will probably take a little while. So how to encourage a client to move from in-person to online? I have a client who came to me to build confidence in the gym, which she has, but her primary goal is fat loss and her behaviors around food and exercise on a daily basis are not, are what really need work. Um, I know she needs support around our sessions more so than the in-person session itself and I've basically said to her um but I think she thinks seeing me once a week is still more beneficial ideally she'd do an in-person session with online as well but budget-wise she can't afford this currently I want to help her get results but feel limited with what I can give her any tips on how to get her to a place that she's ready to transition online would be great Who wants to start? Who wants to go first? <laughs> I, I'll I'll kind of start with, if this was more, and I mean, you can still frame it as this, of like maybe like a bit of a review of how things are going. But if you kind of bring her back to her goal, you sell the outcome, not the journey, right? Like it's such a good analogy. If you're like, you don't sell a plane ticket, you sell the amazing holiday, you know? So they don't really care how they get there. It's this, you're going to tell them as the expert, the best way to get there. So if you're like, look, my goal is fat loss. Okay, well, this is what you need. Rather than, and I think some people either consciously or subconsciously are like, oh, sorry, I can't do one-to-one, -one, but as an alternative lesser option, here's online. And I'm like, no, 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 you need to be selling it as the best option. And it'd be like, no, yeah, if you want to do some in person, then yeah, fine. We can still do like a monthly session or something just to keep you taken over. But really the focus is on your behaviors and getting those consistent and the best way I can deliver that is online or maybe you still this is another thing I've been thinking about like I think sometimes there's a negative connotation with either or both group coaching because I think sometimes think people just think like that's a lesser version of one-to-one -one coaching or online coaching and maybe you almost don't call it that you could call it like I don't know behavior change coaching or fat loss coaching or whatever but it wouldn't actually involve any in-person sessions but sometimes I think people have connotations of online as if like I don't know it's Joe Wicks or something yeah I've had that as well I've had people being like oh so do we meet for our sessions via zoom yeah and I'm like no that that's not how that works yeah. I think the thing we still don't understand actually what it is. Mm. I think that's or where the value is. Mm. Like if someone's if you're watching someone's technique, they're like they're very quick to be like, oh my technique's gonna get better. Whereas if you're talking about like I don't know, mindfulness exercises or if you're talking about helping support them through behavior change, there's no tangible product as it were. There's no like tangible, very quantifiable this is going to happen i mean that's the point of online coaching because you can deal with the variables you can deal with 
so many different elements and you've got the option to be flexible and fluid. That's what's so great about it. I think people need to sell it as the next step in the journey. So if they're trying to get people to go from in-person to online, it's not that you're losing anything, but we have set this foundation. You're confident in the gym. We've worked on your technique. You can do everything safely. You've built all of this knowledge. Now the next level, the next step in the journey is you progress to working on your mindset, your behaviours, your habits, and you need to sell it actually the opposite way to the way everyone sells it is, oh, you could just do this online and here's a wee online plan. And they don't sell it as it's a progression. Yeah, also, yeah, for sure. If you're if you're good with this, you can get people to basically sell it to themselves. Like turn it around and be like, what is it you think is stopping you losing fat at the moment? And they'll be like, oh, you know, I get home for a really long day at work and I end up just overeating or they might even just say it's my diet. And it's like, well, they've almost like led you to it, right? Like what they're not, they're probably not, or at least you can explain what that this isn't the problem with fat loss, but they're not going to be like, do you know what? It's my confidence in the gym that stopped me lose fat. Like it's not like one, you've already worked on that. And two, like that, that isn't the problem, right? And sometimes it's, people trying to avoid the problem which I completely get and it's almost like a separate discussion in itself of like it's easier for me psychologically to just be like well I'm seeing a personal trainer so I'm doing something knowing that it's not actually the work that they need to do you know and it's not to say it's not better than nothing it's freaking miles better than nothing there's so many benefits to exercise in any form and if going to a personal trainer is going to make you consistently exercise like that is incredible will it directly help fat loss minimally that's what you need someone else for or or maybe not someone else but like a different service for um maybe trying to explain that a little bit but you can basically walk people into that conclusion themselves which I think is a lot better than you trying to sell them something like talk to them about their goal and then be like what do you think the biggest barriers are for you to lose fat and then they're probably going to tell you them and then you're going to be able to be like that's exactly what we help you with this is how it works it's actually the same technique that we advise coaches to use for marketing. Let them talk rather than you talk to them and ask open questions. What do you think? Where did it go wrong? What do you need most help with? And then you be quiet and let them tell you and they will lead you to it. Something that I found useful doing this before is when I've had a client who really would benefit more from the online side of things, We've I've said to them, look, we've been spinning our wheels for a while now and and we're not, you know, nothing's actually changing. How would you feel about doing something different? And they've gone, well, you know, what do you mean? And I've gone, instead of coming in and doing training for our next session, we're going to go sit in a coffee shop together and we're just going to have a little look at what you're doing. And we're going to look at your behaviors. It helps there's a coffee shop next door to the gym. So it's not a, like, I don't have to commute out or anything. Um, and we've sat there for like 40 odd minutes and I've gone, right. Have you found this helpful? And they said, it's amazing. It's been absolutely, it's exactly what I need. I feel fully armed to go. And I've gone, you do realize that this is what online coaching is. The the whole purpose of, of online coaching is that we can deal with the things that are outside of the gym that are a bit more, they're a bit more behavior focused and their, their eyes just kind of lit up. I went, oh really? I thought you were just going to send me a workout every month. And that, I was like. That's exactly it. People think they're just going to get an after workout. I think if people need to frame it as, exactly what James said it's everything outside the gym that's why I was kind of coming back to on like it, sometimes the issue is 
framing it as online coaching instead of like looking at all of your behaviors outside the gym which doesn't come off the tongue quite so well but you could name it something and then explain that it's that you know like this is our exercise session it's very important but what's going to get you more results when it comes to body composition is everything you're doing outside of that loves it all right okay that was excellent thank you very much um I had I don't know what happened yesterday but I had an insane amount of sales calls booked so if you are thinking of joining AFM head over to afmentors.com book in a quick chat with me um and we can we can see if you're a good fit for AFM and if we can help you achieve your goals anything to add passing comments thank you for everyone who's still listening what do you mean it wasn't that bad I mean, they had to get through the tangent of will Beyonce abate, would Beyonce abate bean and could you fight a thousand flamingos? A baked bean? A baked potato? Oh, you're never going right. to get a answer. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know what the question is. <laughs> yes, Emma, that's I'm definitely... She knows her. Who? Amy McDonald might be more likely to get the answer for us. Who? Amy McDonald. What, she might know... Oh my God, Amy McDonald might more know... So... There's always meant to be like three people removed. So I wonder how close we could get to her. Sounds like we've already got one step in the in the pathway. Yeah, maybe. I wonder if like Chloe's dad's ever met her. Yeah, Chloe's dad might be closer. Been on like this morning or something. It's not that, is it? It's Good Morning Britain or this. I don't know uh okay well we're, get, we're gonna have to get contact with her yeah the nation needs future episodes okay thanks everyone bye